We continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians. If you'd make your way to the book of Philippians, we covered last week in chapter 2, two verses, verses 12 and 13, which was a study, a paradox, really, of work, because it says that on the one hand, we're to do the work, and then it says that only God can do the work. How is that? Well, we learned last week that each believer is to give himself or herself to laboring for the Lord. That is the word. It's a different word than what God does. We're to labor. We're to toil. And we do it by virtue of what God has supplied. He has supplied the power for this work. The word really uh, energy. Um, And the idea is this. What God has worked in we are to work out or live out, to express him before our world. Today, we're in chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, a message I've titled, The Means and Ends of Spiritual Transformation. The means and the ends, the root and the fruit, the uh, concept, uh, the, uh, the idea, as well as the realization of that. For God has a goal for his people, and it's to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. But he also has the means or the way that this is realized. You see, folks, uh, uh, and I've not said this in a, in a long time, and it typically has to do uh, in sharing the doctrines of grace. God has an end in mind or a goal, and he has ordained that. But he has equally ordained the means to the end. That is just as much part of God's work and his working in and through his people as the goal itself. In fact, Hebrews 13, 21 seems to summarize this quite well, where it says that Uh, God will make you perfect or complete in every good work. Notice, you are the one doing the good work to do his will, working in you. That is, God working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And so we have both aspects, once again, in a different book with a different writer, saying the very same thing. God is working in you, that's the power, so that you may work or serve or toil at fulfilling his will. Do we understand this concept? Amen? That's verses 12 and 13. Now, verses 14 through 18 is uh, obviously the follow-up to that and a natural, a good follow-up because it deals with the means and the ends. But that can be nebulous. And so verses 14 through 18 applies shoe leather to the pavements, pavement of believers walking out that concept. And so verses 14 through 18 show us how to walk out that concept that verses 12 and 13 introduce, namely toiling for God who supplies the power to do that. All right, let's read verses 14 through 18 of Philippians chapter 2. Do all things without murmurings. And disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Two primary points, if you're taking notes, as I see it in this text, and I want to share with you, in verses 14 and 15, we see that God's power transforms his people. God's power transforms his people. And it's obviously a a natural, logical follow-up to verse 13, which says, it's God who works in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. And then verses 14 and 15 uh, expands on that, letting us know, reminding us that it is God's power which transforms us. And I like the word power in in using it in this point because it reminds us of the word energy, the electric company, the power company, the light company. We've uh, we've often heard it used in uh, various terms like that. And just like an electric company uh, generates the power, supplies the power to that which is electrical when it is plugged in, so too God supplies power to those of us who are, if you will, plugged in to him. To those of us uh, who are in Christ, he supplies the power. And folks, let me remind all of us, he supplies it to every single one of us in an adequate measure. He has given us all things which pertain to life and godliness so that we can fulfill his will, so that we can be well-pleasing in his sight, fulfilling his will. Not any of us, not any of us who know him, are left out. Uh, We all have all that we need to, in fact, live for him, for his glory. Now, you think about it transforms. What is a transformer? I, uh, I consulted with our resident uh, electrical engineer and expert on uh, power transformers, uh, Dave Wallace, about what that means. And I thought I had an understanding, but to be a, a power transformer is used to convert voltage from high voltage, which is in your electrical line, the wires, you don't want to uh, mess with those, to, if you don't know what you're doing, to low voltage, that is for those of us who are the consumer. And so just like the electric company takes the power and sends it and makes it usable, God places his power into the lives of his children and transforms or changes us day by day. Who here is different uh, than, than you were the first day that is practically different than you were the first day that you got saved? Oh my, I have, I have been transformed. And I'm transformed, and you are too, day by day as his energy, his power is flowing through you. Of course, that follows. That, that if God invades a space... That space, that life, cannot remain the same. Anyone who is in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new, new, day in and day out. And so, as I give myself to the principles of God's word, following him, serving him, toiling in the field, him empowering me, I am changed day by day, more and more, after his likeness. If you think... I can be intolerable now. Imagine me 46 years ago. (laughs) No, don't do that. Don't imagine me that. Um, and, And probably the same could be said of some of you as well. You've been changed. The rough edges have been 
chiseled off, if you will, and you are becoming, you're going through the refining process, coming out more and more as pure gold, as Job told us. So, we see that that transformation takes place. Now, notice the, the getting into the how-to in verse 14. First, the verb do, notice in verse 14 uh, of chapter 2, do all things. Uh, that word do is, uh, is imperative and it is plural. It's a command for the whole church to do everything that we do the right way. We must approach this service. He's empowered us. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to try to work up the, uh, the juices for it. We don't have to try to somehow hook into some kind of special formula or, or, or technique or anything to, in order to get blessed to be able No, we have the power. It's there. That power station is never going to close down. It's never going to have a short in its, uh, uh, in its capacity to, to deliver uh, what is needed. And so as we are, in fact, plugged in as we are in fact yielded to him abiding in him John 15 then we are to do what he tells us to do I like what uh, Thomas Cosdell wrote on this he says the very first word in this verse in in the Greek text uh, uh, translates all things do all things or everything which is by, by its position indicates the writer's emphasis on it. Most of us can learn to grumble and argue less than we do now, but such, such activities should, not be, should be totally absent from our lives. In other words, what Constable is saying here is, in all things, do the will of God and make sure that you do it without grumbling, without disputings. Now, What's this transformation going to look like? Well, notice in verse 14, it qualifies it. All of these things, there's a verb, do, imperative, and do so without murmuring. So the word murmuring is, um, you know the idea, but it's translated from a word that could be translated secret displeasures or unspoken um, annoyances, if you will, in your heart. And Wow, how difficult that is. I could annoy you uh, at any given time. You could annoy me. I could be displeased with you. You could be with me. And I can just kind of harbor that and milk that uh, and, uh, and think about that and massage that and all the rest. And the word commands you, in all of these things, whatever you're doing, do so without that kind of hidden um, being put off by someone. Now, of course, uh, this is dealing with the local church and with the body, but for the believer, uh, that applies, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good uh, at that in the local church. I don't think that any of you all rub me the wrong way. If you do, I'm just naive enough or ignorant enough not to even be aware of it. But there are some in life, and I've been convicted about this this very week, that yeah, I can have some secret displeasure. I can, I can think of someone or, or uh, this person or that person uh, and think, just kind of, uh, uh, just kind of an irritant, you know? Uh, maybe you don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who ever has this issue. But it's a plural, so probably it applies to someone else besides me. Amen? Do what you do in serving the Lord without some kind of secret 
displeasure. Okay, I'm going to serve in that Awana club. Uh, I don't really want to be with her. Does she have to be my leader? Does he have to be the director of that club? Oh, yeah, I want to be in the choir, but I'm not going to uh, be in that section because so-and-so's in that section of the choir. And, and just, just a zillion ways that could play out. Scripture says, in whatever you do, do it without that type of hard attitude. Which means, if there is that type of hard attitude, what's necessary? God, I know I have it, and I'm repenting of this. What have I been thinking? You, you died for that precious brother, that precious sister. Uh, that person has infinite value in your eyes, and who am I to cast judgment in my heart quietly as if I am so much better? Woo! My! Saved by the bell on that one. we got to move on. That wasn't in my notes. See, I can kind of be an irritant, can't I? (laughs) Do it without secret displeasure, without grumbling. And then it says, whatever you do, do it without disputings. Now, that's open. That's actually contending and arguing. But it's not done so constructively because Scripture reveals all kinds of places that talked about doctrine and theology and interpretation in the Jerusalem Council and Acts 15 and the rest. It's done destructively so that I can get one over it, so I can get up on you, so that I can come off as the knowledgeable one. It's focusing on me being right and you being wrong so that I can lord that over you. At least I have the appearance of doing that. And so, folks, when you're violating verse 14 of disputings, just know that Proverbs, which is a truism about life, In chapter 13 and verse 10 says, it is only by pride. Only. Where's, are we still, I didn't know we we weren't, Mark, we we out, we've been out on that for a long time? That still hasn't been fixed. Comes and goes. I'm not going to let that be an irritant to me. It's technology. And since I don't know the first thing about technology, I'm going to just believe There's a very good reason for that. In fact, it's the providence of God that has allowed us not to have that screen visible today. And that sounds a bit bit sarcastic. I'm using it illustratively, meaning, folks, if it doesn't matter, what? Don't make it matter. That's exactly right. If it doesn't matter, don't make it matter. Because if you did, that might very well be an indication that pride. And so whenever there's contention between two brothers, two sisters, Lord, two believers, just know. Proverbs says always 100 contention, not, not discussion. Not talking about that. Not, not constructive discussion. Uh, of course we have that. We have that as, as husbands and wives. We have that as parents and, and children and all like. But when there is contention, disputings, Proverbs says there is pride present on one or both parties and God does what with the proud he resists the proud he gives grace to the humble and so when you're doing all you're doing for the cause of Christ don't do any of it with secret displeasure or with open contention can I hear an amen I mean that is the walking out of the power of transforming you, transforming me, moment 
by moment. Now, how is it possible? How is it possible for that flow of electricity, as it were, that flow of power to actually be realized when, um, in, in my real life? Well, it's possible because of verse 13. It's work, or verse 12, working out my, my salvation in fear and trembling rather than in, is that verse 12 or verse 13? In, at the end of verse 12, in fear and trembling, rather than with secret animosities, argumentative spirits, um, the Philippians would prove themselves, what? In verse 15, to be blameless, to be harmless before the world. Blameless speaks of not being culpable for anything, not being chargeable for something, not that you're perfect, it just simply means that you have dealt with whatever it is that's in your life. You come into an argument, uh, you come into uh, some point of, of walking in the flesh, and so you confess it, you, you repent, you ask the person uh, with whom you're, you're involved, if you have sinned, to forgive you. Uh, and, and in other words, you make it right horizontally. It's already right vertically because you're forgiven of all uh, uh, your, uh, your evil that you have done in Christ but you make it right, and so therefore, you are walking blameless and harmless. Where? In the midst of a crooked and perverse, a twisted generation. Now, notice the transforming power. Notice at the end of, of this text, if you would, in verse 15, that you would shine as lights in the world. You see, we see the means, God working in you, you appropriating that, and then the end of that the fruit of that is you are shining. You are a brilliant light of the gospel in a very dark and decadent world. The transforming power of the Lord. Paul wanted his readers to shine brightly rather than their personal or their corporate light be dimmed because of sin. Be dim. Uh, put on, you know, the dimmer switch uh, on, a, on a lamp, turning it at various levels. You want it to be full intensity. Well, the way it is, so you're drawing full power, is that you're not murmuring, you're not disputing one with another. So to summarize verses 14 and 15, the lost complain and argue. They're very contentious, but believers rejoice. That's the, that's the idea. The world in which we live is filled with those who are twisted and distorted in their philosophies, but believers are grounded in biblical truth. The lost live in darkness, whereas believers live in shining the light of righteousness. I mean, it is an infinite polarization. The world is one way, that's not who you are, because you've been transformed by the power of God, conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8, 28, 29, 30, Moment by moment, day by day. And so, God is the source of that power. He transforms his people. Secondly, in verses 16 through 18, what's the end? Joy. Joy is the result. Joy is the end of this means. God's the means through his power. Joy is the result of God's transforming power. Now, in these three verses, 16, 17, and 18, the word joy or rejoicing, let's count them up. You all hold your hands up. I mean, let's have fingers up for how, how many times we say that concept. Uh, verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice. It sounds, seems very elementary, doesn't it? But it'll stick with you. I rejoice 
in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy. Boy, I don't see very many hands at all. Children, let's lead the way. You elementary kids, we've got two of them there. I, I rejoice and I joy. No, I joy and I rejoice with you all. Verse 18. For the same cause also you do joy and rejoice with me. Do you think there's a concept God is wanting to communicate in verses 16 through 18? If there is, what is it? It's joy. In fact, Philippians is the book of joy throughout the entire book. It is, um, it is that. And biblical joy, folks, is always, I'll say always, you can correct me later if you'd like, biblical joy is always a byproduct, not the only byproduct, but is always an end to abiding in Christ walking in the Spirit. In fact, we know that to be the case because Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And so it is a byproduct of those who are walking by in the Spirit who are trusting and obeying. Now notice, if you would, in this text, that, that, so that you may uh, hold forth the word of life. How many of you all have hold forth? The word of life. Hold your hands up if you have hold forth. How many of you all have hold fast? Most of you have hold fast. Uh, older English versions say hold forth. And I did some study on this. And I got, uh, now holding forth is like the Statue of Liberty with, with her torch. That's holding forth, forth. But you know, you also don't want her to lose her grip, do you? <laughs> you want her to hold fast to that torch. So you know which one it is? Yes. <laughs> you hold fast to the word of life so that you can then hold it forth to a lost world so they can see the way to life. We tenaciously hold fast so that we may aggressively hold forth uh, to the truth of the gospel. And so believers are to do that in this world. Now you notice Paul's pastoral heart here again. This is a very intimate book. Comes out in the telling them that their faithfulness by abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit would bring him great joy. Notice this. Yea, uh, um, or verse 16, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Boy, I tell you, parents, uh, you with grown children, and I have four of them in their, oh, I don't have them four in their 30s any, any longer, uh, but, uh, but four uh, approaching uh, or about that age, uh, uh, age span. And Third John in verse 4 has become one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. There is no greater joy to me that I hear that my children abide in truth. That's generally a paraphrase. But if I hear that they are abiding in truth, that means somebody is communicating that. Someone is saying, hey, let me tell you what your daughter did or what she said. Let me tell you how, how your son helped me uh, in this way. No greater joy than a parent of my age and older 
than to hear that their children are walking in truth. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul just said. These are his children. He won um, uh, Lydia to the Lord in Acts chapter 16. A church started in her house at Philippi. And now, some years later, he's saying, I want to have joy and I will have joy knowing that how I labored for you, all that I poured into you. And parents, you poured a lot into the kids, haven't you? And you either are enjoying that or are looking forward to enjoying that confirmation that what you did was not in vain. And by the way, if you, if you have a child or a grandchild, as Paul did, and we'll learn this later in this book, by name, a couple of folks who were not honoring the Lord, and yet they were a part of the church, maybe you have a child or two, or a grandchild or two, who's a part of your family, yet not honoring the Lord as he or she has been trained. God's got the final word on this. He knows He's got the the final chapter written. Amen? What's our calling? Hold on. Pray fervently. And stay the course. Because he honors faith. And so trust him. And, and, And Paul is saying that. He's saying, I sure want to be rejoicing knowing that I've not run in vain nor labored in vain in verse 16. And then verses 17 and 18 talks about though martyrdom comes, he's look at verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice uh, and service of your faith, in other words, because of what I have done, and even if this happens to you, um, if you're poured out like a drink offering, then rejoicing is ours because of being faithful to the Lord. So folks, this is the teaching. This is the teaching in in verses 16 through 18. That when God's power and as God's power is transforming you moment by moment, you're going to take heat for it. Your spouse may not always want you to be uh, fervently following Christ. Your parents may hassle you. Your co-workers, your neighbors, extended family are not going to understand your spirit of worship, uh, and your devotion. You may have to be poured out. You may be used and abused by this world. But just know that if his power is transforming you moment by moment, though you are a drink offering poured out and spent, there's joy. Suffering may endure for a night. What's the rest of that psalm? But joy comes in the morning for those who are abiding in him you see there's a lot of labor for planting a field there's a lot of effort that goes into breaking up the fallow ground after a long winter and planting the seed uh, and getting rid of the weeds and making sure that the uh, the critters aren't getting in there and and robbing destroying the crops and the insects a lot of labor The joy comes in the morning at harvest time. And you take in that harvest of hundreds of acres of grain. And you take it to market. And you're able to take care of the family for the entire year. Yet you labored to see that. 
Joy was the byproduct, was the end of that. So folks, the means and the ends of spiritual transformation has to do with God's power conforming us, transforming us more and more, moment by moment. And as he is doing that, for those who abide in him, you will have joy, though your circumstances may never change. You may battle that cancer for five years. You may struggle with some other disease. You may, you may, your spouse may never come to know the Lord while you are alive. That grandchild uh, may continue to break your heart. And a, a, a myriad of other situations. You, whatever, however many lives we have here, we probably have uh, ten, tenfold that number of situations. And yet, as you abide and you are transformed as we're commanded to do all of this without murmuring and disputing. His joy will so fill your heart um, that the world will see a brilliant light shining like, oh my. It's like Moses coming down from the mountain. People had to almost, tr- they turned away because of the glory of God on your life. Anyone can put on a happy face when everything is going well. When the difficulty comes, will there be in ready reserve joy? There will be for those who are being transformed by his power. Lord, I'm thankful for this, your word and the transforming power. Even this very week, convicted in my heart about violating a principle here, a command here, and purposing to uh, not do better, but be better, more committed to living for you, abiding in you. Um, And so, Lord, bring that to pass. uh, Sanctify that. Uh, as only you can. And Lord, for uh, each one of us that you love, we know you do because we're your children, may we hold on to you, depend on you, abide in you, so that joy would fill our hearts and light, gospel light, would shine from our lives in a perverse and crooked generation in which we live. Use us toward that end, Lord Jesus, in your name.